0: To three, two, one, I relaunch the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, chair and co-founder of I relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we are thrilled to have Jean Chatsky, financial editor at NBC Today and weekly podcast host of Her Money with Jean Chatsky. We are going to be talking about financial strategies for career breaks and returning to work. Jean, thanks for
1: being with us today. Sure, my pleasure, thanks for having me.
0: So I want to dive right in because we have so much to talk about. And uh, the first thing I want to think about is the person who is anticipating the career break uh, is not even on the career break yet. We have seen studies. There was a big study out by Manpower Group on millennials that said 84% of millennials were anticipating career breaks of some kind in the future. So we're anticipating more people taking career breaks rather than fewer people on over Uh, in the future Uh, and there was a a, there is an economist at the Center for American Progress named Michael Matowitz who actually created a calculator for people to calculate the foregone uh not only income, but all of the other parts of um, your financial picture when you take a career break. So I wanted to know what your thoughts were on the risks of uh, people taking career breaks
1: and how they calculate what that full risk really is. I think you've put your finger on a number of the issues already, Carol. the, The risk is that you Will be out longer than you thought. That you'll have trouble getting back in. That you won't be get able to get back in at a salary that you are, um, at the same salary that you have when you leave, or that your field will change and you'll be needing additional training, which will cost additional money to get back into the workforce. I, I mean, there's so many different variables, which is why getting uh, a really clear grip on your financial needs and your the current cost of your financial life um, with a spouse, without a spouse, however it's operating for you is absolutely imperative before you take a break, and and so that means understanding you know, what you've got coming in, but also what it costs you to live, how you might be able to reduce those expenses in line with the fact that you're not going to be earning as much money, how you might make up some of the slack with a, a side gig or some part-time work. And and this is a, another question entirely, but one I, I will hope that we'll dig into, how are you going to make up for the retirement plan contributions that an employer is not going to be making on your behalf.
0: Yes, let's actually get into that right now. Um, so I uh, this the whole idea of foregone income. You know, when people are thinking about that, and actually, I, I should say that this um. Uh, Center for American Progress Calculator includes some of these topics, but can you talk about um, the not we're not just looking at the income itself, we're looking at raises and promotions, we're looking at social security benefits. Talk about some of the additional pieces that people need to be thinking about when contemplating
1: this decision of whether to take a break? So social security credits are are a big one. Um, You don't want to put yourself into a position where you won't be able to get the maximum from social security when you eventually retire. And that could mean extending your career lifespan at the end. But it's something to consider. We also know, and, and this is um, some research that's been done by the folks at Fidelity, Aon Hewitt also have a similar set of numbers, that if you're trying to achieve a standard of living when you retire um, that is similar to the one that you have before retirement, you should really be planning on accumulating a good um Amount of, uh, an amount of money that will replace 85% of your pre-retirement income. And that means that you are going to um, need to save one time your current salary by the time that you're 30, three times by the time you're 40, 5 or 6 times by six times by the time you're 50 eight times by the time you're 60 and 10 times your current income by the time that you retire. Now running the numbers, we know that if you can save about 15% a year um, of what you are making, you will be able to get there. But if you take an extended break, saving that 15% may not be possible. Exactly. So I, I'm, i am it's very important for
0: people to hear the extent of what what they need to be thinking about. Um, I know that when I put the numbers in uh, for the length of my career break was 11 years and I was making pretty good money when when I left. And so the financial consequences of my 11 year career break were were huge. And it was really sobering to find out uh, what I, the the amount of compensation I had foregone by making that decision. Uh, So it, you know, People make decisions to go on career break for all different reasons, um, but it's just important that it's eyes wide open when you're going um, into that that decision-making process.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and while you're out, if you have the ability to make a spousal IRA contribution, that can go a long way to making up the gap. And people, A lot of people don't understand or don't realize that if you have a spouse in the workforce, you are eligible to make a $5,500 contribution every single year if you're under 50, and a $6,500 contribution if you're, if you're 50 or over. And, and just that amount of money can do a huge amount to help you in your retirement years.
0: All right, wait, let's just clarify that to make sure we all understand. So you're saying even if you're living on one income, a portion of that income can be put into an IRA for the non-working spouse? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's called a spousal IRA. Ah, okay. Thank you. Very important information. Now, let's talk about um, the financial reasons that propel people back into the workforce after taking a career break because, you know, at iRelaunch, we have been in this business since before 2007. So we rode all the way through the recession to the, you know, full employment economy that we that we happen to be in today. But I remember when times were much less certain that one of the reasons people came back into the workforce after taking career breaks, maybe even before they anticipated, was that they were all of a sudden uncertain about and uncomfortable with relying on one income. And so we had people come back uh, for that reason in particular. Um any any comments on that? Any shift that you've seen in among spouses or partners uh, where one is on career break during a time of recession versus a time of economic prosperity? And do you think behaviors change or career breaks get longer when the economy is better?
1: Yeah, I think I think an. A portfolio, whether it's a 401k portfolio or an IRA portfolio or some other sort of retirement account that's doing very well because the markets are just rolling right along, give people a not a lot of confidence. And what we saw was when the markets took their terrible turn in um, 2008 2009 as we headed into the recession, uh, people really. Um, looked at that and thought, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to work X number of years longer. And for many people, that was enough to bring a non-working spouse back into into the workforce or or at least encourage them to get back into the workforce. But I also think two other things have a lot to do with it. The first is longevity. Um, We're just living a lot longer than we ever expected to live. And that means that the amount that we're saving for retirement has to last a lot longer than we thought it was going to last than it had to last for our parents and our grandparents the cost of healthcare has been a huge wild card in this equation the the most recent estimate and again you know this is fidelity research they they do this survey every single year but their most recent number is that a 65 year old couple is going to need $280,000 just to cover non-reimbursed healthcare expenses in retirement. Um, That's a huge additional chunk of change. And, and I know I said there are two factors and I'm going to give you three, but third is that um, these risks are so much greater for women because we outlive our spouses. And so it it, it is largely going to be on us the fact that we may be alone later in life and and we're going to need to be the ones with um with an earnings history that we can fall back on
0: mhm and you know interestingly i i want to know if you can comment on the psychological piece of when you have a, a partners or spouses, significant others, um, and one is out of the workforce and then is thinking about returning, how once that other, the, the non-working spouse starts to earn an income again, how that changes the dynamic between the two partners in terms of major financial decisions. Does the person who's earning money again feel like they have more of a say in the financial decisions because now they're contributing to the income piece again?
1: Um, you know, it's really, really interesting. I, I just finished doing the research on a new book. Um, it will be out next March and, and spoke to a lot of women in this situation. And the answer is, in some cases, there are marriages where the playing field is very equal, no matter who's earning the money. And there are those where the playing field is not equal no matter who is earning the money. There are scenarios where even higher earning women feel, women who out-earn their spouses feel as if they don't have as much power, in in some cases because that's just the way they've always done things and they started earning more in the latter years of their relationship. So I don't necessarily think that there is a rule, but I, I do think that having having earnings of your own having money of your own does tend to make women feel as if we should have a say whether we choose to exercise that or not is is sort of a case by case scenario
0: right and let me ask you about one more piece and that is you know, when you know we're talking to people mostly women there are some men too but mostly women who are making this decision to go back to work again sometimes we'll hear them say Yeah, I don't know, it feels like a break-even proposition to me because what they're looking at is the incremental amount that they are making and they're weighing against that incremental amount of income all the costs of working whether it's childcare or parking or, or whatever and then they're feeling like wow it's 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 we're not, I'm not making any money in fact maybe I'm even losing a little bit of money. Um, we think people should look at their combined projected income and weigh the expenses against that because they're making this investment in their in the future where there's more income, to, you know, as time goes on. I just wanted to get your perspective on this um, and whether you think people should be looking at it one way or another and how you get people to look at it as an investment in their future.
1: You know, it's much the same calculus I think that people go through when they are deciding whether to leave the workforce in the first place, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of people same calculation when they're trying to figure out, well, should I stay home with the kids because childcare is so expensive? And I think you also have to look at the incremental gains, right? You can't just look at this year and you can't assume that the year that you relaunch is going to be your peak earning year. Hopefully it won't. And hopefully there will be a lot of other promotions and raises and stock options and other benefits health insurance that come along with with being back in the workforce as well as you know for the people who want it um, the psychic benefits that come along with doing something that hopefully you really love and enjoy
0: mm-hmm exactly. You're listening to 321 I Relaunch the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice and success stories about returning to work after a career break. This is Carol Fishman Cohen, chair and co-founder of I Relaunch and your host for today and today we are speaking with Gene Chatsky, financial editor at NBC Today and weekly podcast host of Her Money with Gene Chatsky and we're in the middle of talking about financial strategies for career breaks. So, Jean, I want to talk to you about uh, the um, the relaunchers who are thinking about not immediate financial need, but some sort of looming financial need. Like in you know five five to ten years, we're going to be um, starting the first of three college tuitions, or wow, we just realized we haven't been saving nearly enough as we should be saving for our retirement. Uh, so. How, any guidance for people who have these looming and larger financial obligations a few years
1: hence? A couple. First, I, I think this is a really, anytime you understand that there's a big financial challenge coming up and that you've got to shift your resources in some way to make room for it is a really good time to sit down with a financial advisor. Um, you can decide that you don't want one on the payroll um, as a permanent you know member of your kitchen cabinet. That's fine. But just sitting down for a sort of checkup where you go through and you develop a plan to help you meet these specific goals is really, really valuable. Um, the second thing that I would say is that when we're looking at these large goals, Often, getting rid of the lattes and the cappuccino is not going to do it uh, and, and you will have to look at making a more drastic change to accomplish what you want to accomplish and this is just a matter of priorities, but it it's figuring out how do i where does this college tuition fall? on my list of priorities, how much of the college tuition do I want to cover, and how do I shift where i'm using my money today in order to make room for it and there are two sides to the equation as you know right there is the income side and there's the outflow side so you can manage the outflows you can decide that maybe you don't need the third car you can decide you don't need the second vacation you can decide that you're going to move to a place that's smaller or has lower taxes or you can work the income side of the equation and decide that your break is over or that you are going to go back part-time in order to make um, some money to support these goals or that your partner is going to look for a higher paying job in order to support these goals so that you can continue on this break that is important to your family. What Whatever it is, it's, I, I think people sort of have to understand that that it's all—it's always a choice. You know, money is a limited resource for pretty much everyone. And deciding how we want to allocate our resources is what we talk about when we talk about financial planning.
0: Right. And let me just throw in something that is, is really um, a sidebar. But one of the initiatives that we work on at iRelaunch is with the Certified Financial Planning Board, Center for Financial Planning. And it is a... A program called the Financial Planner Reentry Initiative and it is specifically focused on uh, relaunchers who want to return to work and become financial advisors. So um, the idea that you're talking about f- financial advisors and their role in helping people relaunch, sometimes people actually end up relaunching in as a financial advisor and be, it's one of the few fields where if you're someone who is older that actually works in your favor because I know for myself that you know, I have millennial age children, I don't necessarily want to be sitting uh, across the table from, from them to get financial advice, I might want to sit across the table from someone who is in their 50s, who's my age, who is has lived through some life stages. Whereas, you know, my daughter, who is a millennial, she is actually looking to some of her millennial um, friends for who are financial advisors because they can relate to where she is at um, in her life stage so
1: yeah just wanted to put that out no I, I I totally get it and can I just say I think that becoming a financial advisor is a wonderful career for women we we tend to think that financial advisors are mired in the numbers and the data and that you have to be you know this tremendous math geek it, it's such a a relationship oriented business. I mean, the the good, the best financial advisors that I know are really good listeners. And they're, they're as much therapists as anything else. I am so glad
0: you mentioned that therapists and educators and, you know, we say you don't have to be a finance jock in order to excel in this field. It's the same point. And the idea about it also is that people who want to make a difference, who want to have a social action piece of their role, you are really helping people live better lives when you're in the role of being a financial advisor.
1: Yeah yeah absolutely. and i and the ones that I know who do this, and I know a lot because of what I do every day, um, right. love, love their work,
0: yes, so okay, back on topic. so um, what about the relaunchers? who have immediate financial need. Like we have relaunchers who have gone through a divorce and that is propelling them back into the workforce or death or disability of a, a spouse or partner. Uh, and so that is a situation where um, it's kind of tricky because we tell people that the relaunch process can take time because you're trying to figure out what you want to do all over again and there are all these steps. But sometimes you might have to take the... Uh, temporary or immediate, you know, not so perfect job in order to get an income stream right away. So do you have any advice for people who feel the pressure of having to generate immediate income, but are not, but also want to make sure that they have a relaunch in a longer term career that's meaningful to them? Can they do two different things or do it
1: in stages or what do you think? I, I think a stage based approach is, is perfectly, viable. And yeah, there are times when you just need to make some money. You need to get money coming in the door. I would say try to, I mean, I've, I'm a pretty good compartmentalizer, but I, I would say try to compartmentalize and try to carve out an hour, maybe two in your day that you can use to focus on the larger goal, whether that might be taking a class or, Trying to launch a side gig or um, meeting with people who might be able to take you in the right direction, I also think and and you can tell me because you're definitely the expert on this, but I think it's easier to find a job when you have a job and so. Whether or not you're working exactly in the field you want to work, there might be a different sort of position at that company that checks off the boxes for the career you envision yourself having.
0: Yes, exactly. And uh, you know, I uh, one one piece of this is temp work or contract work. And I wanted to know: Do you have an opinion? On people taking temp, working for temp agencies or taking on temporary work?
1: I think it's great. I'm <laughs> I say this as a woman whose brother is, uh, it started in a temporary position, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago with a financial services company um, in the compliance department. He's not only still there, but he's like the, He's become like the corporate memory. Um, So, you know, I think I think you can find um, and he met his wife at a different temporary job. So our family has benefited greatly. (laughs) That's a great story.
0: And that that whole concept of the company company memory, like the institutional knowledge that people have who've been around for a long time, is something that can be highly valued. And I think it's becoming more and more valued. Um, I've I've actually seen some articles on it. So, um, you know, it's interesting that 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 you talk about that particular anecdote. Um, There was an article in the Wall Street Journal from a few years ago, and it was about Amazon hiring like 70,000 seasonal workers for the holiday um, bump up. And they one of their senior people who did these, this hiring said that we, they said this is a quote from it, we employ temporary employees as a way of finding high quality talent while managing variation in customer demand. So this whole idea that just like your brother, that you can start in a temp job that may feel relatively mundane or meaningless is actually a, a stepping stone to something much better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you're looking to get your foot in the door and this is a great way to get your foot in the door these days.
0: Right. So, all right. So as we're wrapping up, um, Jean, can you, so let's say, you know, someone's on a career break for seven plus years and they're on, um, they, they then return to a job and all of a sudden they have income for the first time. So, would you recommend financial planning to a newly ra- relaunched person kind of in the same way that you recommend it to to an entry level, someone who's right out of college, let's say, who gets their first job? Or do you think the relauncher needs to think about this managing this income stream differently because they're in a later life stage?
1: I think the relauncher may need to think about saving more aggressively in order to make up for lost time. Mm-hmm. and. Um, and that may call for some financial planning. But what I would immediately say is get into the retirement plan if there is one, contribute every dollar you can, grab every last matching dollar you can, stuff as much into the health savings account as you can, and, and then run some retirement calculators to figure out if, continuing to save at that rate will put you on target to retire when you want. If not, um, then absolutely some planning to figure out how to free up additional assets, which then can be saved, whether you're talking about downsizing sooner rather than later or doing something else, I think is a smart move. Got it. All right. So, our final question, and this is a question we ask all of our podcast guests,
0: is what is your most important advice for relaunchers? I guess in this case, in the financial realm, even if it's something that you already talked about in our conversation today.
1: I think I would say go into this and come out of it with your eyes open financially. It's really important to know what you own and what you owe and what goals you're trying to hit, um, particularly during times of transition. Um, and so I would say, you're going through a life-changing experience, um, but don't ignore the numbers.
0: Excellent advice. Thank you, Jean, for joining us today. Thanks so
1: much, thanks for having me.
0: Sure, can, before you hop off, can you please tell our
1: audience how they can find out more about your work? Absolutely. You can go to jeanchatsky.com and while you're there, subscribe to the Her Money podcast and sign up for our free weekly newsletter, which is called This Week in Your Wallet. And um, you can find everything you need to know right there. And Chatsky by the way is spelled with a z. Thanks so much, Jean. My pleasure. And thank you for joining us
0: today on 321 I Relaunch. This is Carol Fishman Cohen, chair and co-founder of I Relaunch and your host. We have been speaking with Gene Chatsky, financial editor at NBC Today and weekly podcast host of Her Money with Jean Chatsky. To find out more about iRelaunch, go to irelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.